2: Welcome to another episode of the Creators Outlet. We subscribe, comment, and share. Find us on the train, follow us everywhere you can. Tonight we're joined by Matt Heat from Bardic Versus, who have their launch page up and ready to go. They're going to be launching uh, on the 8th of September. Right after the holiday. Yeah. Yes, sir. So
0: That's o l l y dot com.
1: Matt, you're the writer. I am. Yep, I'm the word guy, and
2: I take it from the uh, the Twitter handle. Uh, Pete is the illustrator. Uh, yeah, that's right. Good. That that it makes it easier when you put what you do in your in your in your tag. Uh, you know. Who you are? So, me doesn't doesn't help me at all. <laughs> <laughs> not too much of what I do. You gotta you gotta leave a little mystery to it. Yeah, well, you know, on the side, you make kids and take over their room.
1: Yeah, that's it.
0: That's, <laughs> so? it. that's
2: it. I mean, I I bought most of the stuff behind me, so I figure, why not?
1: It's half yours anyway. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: yeah, yeah sure, it is. there's <laughs> a delusional thought. Good thing you're writing this. Book. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly so uh tell me about your your backgrounds and uh and how you came into the uh the, the comic book world
1: pete you want to take it from from here
2: uh yeah my uh
0: mine is less interesting than Matt's, so we'll save a better one for last um no, that's not so, that's
1: not why i did it for the record
0: um uh i uh this is actually the first uh the first project that i've ever done work for um uh, the only other thing i've ever had published was a pin-up in uh an, an anthology series called k-babe volume two i think it was three um three volume three sorry um <laughs> so it was uh That was that's kind of where I got my feet wet, Um, and that's kind of where um, you know I felt the bug, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, Before then, it was just a lot of you know um, uh, posting pictures here there, you know, trying to trying to keep up with my art, but not doing anything specific. This is this is actually my
2: first project. Oh, cool! Diving in the deep end. That's it. And Matt. Uh, the more interesting guy. Go ahead. Uh, I
1: mean, interesting. It might be a little bit of a stretch, but uh, so about 12 years ago, um, I wrote and uh, self-published a, a one-shot comic book, 22 pages in and out the door. Um, I used that like kind of as my resume. I sent it to a pub- an up-and-coming publisher at the time called Double Take, um, and they hired me to, I wrote a series called Dedication. Um five issue miniseries about a bunch of kids working the overnight shift at a grocery store during the night of the living dead. Um, and then that from there, I've just been like, I've been doing anthology pieces here and there. And then this is kind of my first, uh, self-published graphic novel. So, um, kind of looking forward to it, kind of looking forward to like play in my own world, you know, like create these characters and see them, uh, you know, grow and flourish. Play in, play in a sandbox and get to do your own thing. Yep.
2: And uh, why don't you give us the uh, the pitch for the book?
1: Sure. Uh, the Bardic Verses is an anthology style story about a bard uh, who comes from a long line of famous warriors and is trying to strike out on his own, uh, but he can't seem to escape the long shadow of uh, his family legacy. Um, so it starts with him, uh, in a bar, you know, singing songs, telling these stories. Each story is illustrated in a different art style by Pete, by himself. Um, and each story can stand on its own, but they do all kind of connect and lead to the end of the book, uh, where we wrap up, where he wraps up his set. And then we kind of wrap up the book from there.
2: Cool. Well, uh, this sounds
1: great because,
2: you know, all of my best stories always started at, uh, one time at the bar uh, uh, i am not a bard i do not sing if you were to ever walk into a bar and see me doing karaoke you are uh, advised to turn around because your ears might start bleeding <laughs> the, the only the only song i've been i've been told uh that i do is any good and let me throw this up there this is TVMA and, and all those other letters and and those two uh, is Dennis Leary's "I'm an asshole." <laughs> no, you know what?
0: You know what? No, all joking aside, that that's actually the only song I've ever sang in karaoke. <laughs> I, I've, I've done it, I've only done karaoke twice in my life, and the,
2: and I sang that song both times. So you got good taste. I've I've done it a few times. Uh, I've only been sober twice for it, but. Uh, <laughs> I which you know made it all the worse. Yeah. You know. But it may you know. or may not be a video of me doing it on YouTube somewhere.
1: Uh oh there's
2: probably evidence of me. that I think the first time I tried it, I was so hammered I couldn't even walk. And and now I'm in a wheelchair. Go figure. Uh but uh I decided well, I don't want to do a song that I have to sing in. I want to do a song that I can just talk through. And they're like, I don't think you should rap anything because you're messed up. And so they they put on uh, Devil Went Down to Georgia and about 40 seconds into the song, I'm like, can you slow it down? The words are going by too fast. (laughs) They're like, no. And then I ordered a couple more shots and good trove home so I am not a bard although I do play one in the video game nice nice I play uh I play Neverwinter online uh because it's you know d d based and it's free yeah you know, if I, I, it, I dabbled if it's in free, it free I'll play it you know they just they just redid like everything uh they just revamped the entire game and then they finally added the bard, which is uh interesting uh you know, trying to fight with a pillow so <laughs>
0: uh, but that's 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 the way it is right The bard is always considered last, you know mm-hmm. and that's that that's kind of where uh where like our story kinda, uh, kind of of originated, right like the bard is the is is the least appreciated character. In Dungeons and Dragons or any any type of fantasy-based game, be it video games or you know tabletop RPGs, the bard Mm -hmm. the bard never really gets his due. You know, everybody wants to be the warrior with the awesome awesome sword or the rogue that can like sneak behind people. You know, nobody thinks about the guy who's got his his lute or his harp or his flute or whatever.
2: You know. So yeah. It's you know, like <laughs> that like, like Dale and in, in, in Robin Hood. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the bard is
0: the bard archetype is the true underdog of the fantasy genre, you know. It's, it's there's very very few things that are, you know, um less appealing to players in most cases. So, um, you know, it's when we started to formulate our story, you know, it was It's pretty clear. Like you know, we wanted we wanted that. We wanted somebody who was, who was not your typical badass. You know, who wasn't gonna, you know, kick at a door and start shooting fireballs from their fingertips. We just wanted somebody who had some charisma.
2: (coughs) So, why did you want to make this an anthology type book with all? short stories about the bar basically he's do, from what i gather he's doing a set in a bar and he's of course each song is a storytelling experience and he's telling a tale with each song so the stories are all divvied up by song as it goes through and then it comes to a climactic climatic ending at, at the very end are uh are you looking uh Past this, if you're going to do anything more of of this style or this world,
1: uh, yep. So, to to answer your first question, the reason why we did this is kind of twofold. Uh, I think one is to to really uh, flex Pete's art chops. Uh, Pete had the pleasure of of having to draw in these different. I, I say pleasure. I use that term very loosely. Um, he he had sometimes the very hard. Uh, job of having to illustrate in these different artist styles um but we wanted to flex his art chops and also kind of play with that like we're paying tribute to these creators and these stories that we love so much um so we wanted to do that uh i think it's the way we attribute it to is like he's playing a song in a different style so that different music style is translates to a different art style in the book hey lorenzo
2: we're talking about the bardic verses, which is going to launch on the eighth on Kickstarter, and the sign-up page is in links in the chat.
1: And then, um, to answer your second question, we um, we definitely are interested in, in pursuing more stories in this. Um, you know, obviously, it, it hinges on how well the Kickstarter does, um, but we are. There have been talks about uh, where we would go if we were to pursue a a next volume. And, uh, why
2: did you guys, uh, go to Kickstarter instead of Indiegogo?
1: Um, I think it's, I have more, I know more people, more creators with experience with Kickstarter. Um, we've, we've leaned on a lot of creators that we know or that I know. Um, to give us advice, I don't know. I literally, to be honest, I don't. I know maybe one or two creators that have used Indiegogo, and I'm not that personal with them where I could kind of ask them questions about it. Um, I think the majority of creators, especially now, you know, since COVID, um, the majority of the creators are, are using Kickstarter. It's the more uh, for the people that for the circles that I run in, definitely the the more used of the two. I just
2: i i find some of the things you can do on indiegogo a lot more helpful uh the uh the add-ons are a lot easier to do and kickstarter you can only run a campaign for 30 days indiegogo you can run it for 60 in case you don't make your goal uh and then after you make your goal you can actually leave the book in demand so it can still be ordered you know, afterwards you can keep that open as a storefront till you open up your next campaign. Huh, that's that's
0: kind of cool. I actually didn't know you could do that. I uh similar to to Matt, I I mean, I don't know too many people to begin with. Um so it's like uh my personal experience in backing has only ever been Kickstarter. Um Indiegogo I honestly hadn't heard about until like a couple months ago, but I'm also relatively new to even just backing projects in general. Right. Um COVID kind of spurred me to into all of that I think the that's definitely something to consider you know for uh, a potential volume two I think that's, the stuff yeah, I, I, that's
2: know, I know I uh, know you know a bunch of creators that uh, well the the bigger names like you know your Billy Two Trees and and Graham Nolan's will run you know campaigns on both at the same time 'Cause they've got, you know, they've got a crowd on Kickstarter, they've they got a crowd on Indiegogo. But uh, you know, us regular folks I I know uh will run like uh I know a lot of people will will start on Kickstarter, run the Kickstarter, uh it and then they'll then afterwards, like like twenty days later they'll they'll start the Indiegogo. And there's a couple of tricks to Indiegogo that that I do know. Uh, One is you sit your campaign for 30 days, and then before it ends, you can extend it for another 30, which triggers the Indiegogo algorithm and shoots your project higher up on the list. Really? That's. See yeah. you know, after almost two hundred shows I've learned some shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, said you can't teach an old dog. Come on. Yeah. No, no, it's it's it, it,
0: it that's definitely interesting and worth looking into at some point. You know, our focus our focus with the with the Kickstarter, which is, you know, um, goes live just a couple of, a few days from now, honestly, right? Yeah. For like a week a week plus out.
2: Yeah. Um, oh my god we're a week plus out um,
0: She <laughs> just said that and i had an existential crisis <laughs> yeah, yeah me too
2: but it's like you it's, know um, it's like you turn into a meme oh yeah <laughs> our
0: you know our our goal our goal you know at least with this with this round with this volume this iteration is to is to keep it humble for the moment you know just to test our waters you know see see what it gets us you know we kept our uh our funding goal on the lower side um just to make you know, Matt and myself are not taking page rates for this. We're not looking to. Um, we're we're looking we're looking to get our book out, but we're also looking to do it in a way that, you know, um, more assuredly sees us succeed. Keep, keep keep it all low. Keep the volume low. Keep the offerings low. We're not promising for every every one hundred backers or something. We're gonna hack a envelope full of stickers and send them out. We're keeping it yeah. simple. You,
2: you yeah. guys aren't looking to, uh, you know, get rich off of this. You just, you're looking for the Kickstarter to cover your, your printing and shipping costs.
1: Yeah. You know, That's I, literally I, I, it.
2: my, my,
0: my biggest goal. And, you know, I understand everybody's in it for different reasons, right? Like my, my personal goal is, you know, when I was, when I was a teenager and in my early twenties, my goal was to, was to draw a comic. Right. And, um, You know, life, you know, has different, different ideas for you. Sometimes I, you know, had a family at a young age, had to get into a career to support that and had to put, you know, that idea to the side. So it's like now that my kids are getting older, you know, I want to show them that it's okay to have a dream that you don't necessarily jump on as long as you try to get to it at some point. So out of all this, that's, that's, that's what I'm being paid in. Right, is being able to hopefully show them that this thing funded, I was able to do what I wanted to do, can too.
1: I think um, really quick that I think that's really important. Um, you know, uh, not to bring the room down, but we get one shot at life, like, and it could be over like that. So, like, I feel like. Why not do these things that you want to do, right? And I think to Pete's point, like that's a good message to send to his kids, to send to anybody. Like we have, we have one shot. Like, do pursue these things that that make you happy and that that don't cause anybody harm, because like it's that that's what life is about. Um, so that was, to be honest, like when I first met Pete and we were talking about, you know, him drawing for Kfabe and then like getting into conversations. Like all I wanted was for him to feel the same feeling that I felt when I first, when I held my first published book in my hand, like it's a great feeling. It never goes away with every next project that I've been on. Like I still feel the same exact way uh, holding the finished book that I did the first time. Um, so I, I feel like, like he deserves to feel that too. So, you know, we, we just started rolling with Bardic verses and haven't looked back since.
2: Cool. Now tell me comic book wise, when you were first attracted to a book what what took your eye to it and what was your favorite uh comic and you know around you know what age did you start reading comics and you know all that fun stuff
1: pete
0: all right, so i had some really awesome grandparents uh when i was in middle school they owned a uh they retired uh and opened up a hobby shop this is like in the early '90s. It was a lot of it was a lot of basketball cars, baseball cars, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had to spinner racks, and I would I was very I was over there a lot, you know, helping them like lug stuff around, you know. Um, I was there, you know, a lot of weekends, and you know, this is in the heyday of, you know, uh, Claremont and Lee's X Men, McFarlane on Spider Man. Image starting to come around on its own, you know. So there was a lot, a lot of activity, um, and especially, you know, a lot of, a lot of art movement, right? Like there's, um, you know, to me, you know, having having read some comics before that point in time, this seemed different. Like right? it was an edgier art style. It was a more eye grabbing art style, and that's what did it for me. You know, it pulled me right in, and you know. Um, i haven't stopped i still i still spend more than my wife would probably like on
2: comics every week and um you
0: know uh
2: yeah that was it so like your 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 greatest fear is one day your wife selling all your comics for what you told her you paid for them yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i so um uh, so uh,
0: we we go to a local flea market all the time and um well when it's when the world lets that sort of thing and um, you know that I'm on the hunt right finding finding a you know Silver Age flash comic that's worth 50 60 bucks whatever paying a dollar for it right like that that's that's great for me yeah I still enjoy going to my local comic shop and I, I always will but but going on the prowl through like flea markets or something like that that's, that's the best. and I know if shit, I know that she would probably be like oh he bought this comic book for an author at the, the flea market and just tell it off but yeah. the kids know
2: better oh yeah well the, the kids are like uh yeah that's coming to me when he's gone uh i'm yeah. getting this <laughs> in the car because i need to get to the flea market to find some old comics exactly <laughs> i remember seeing a meme Get your hit. Get your kids hooked on comics at a young age, and they'll never have money to do drugs.
0: Yeah, that's 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 damn true. Damn
2: yeah. true. No. Somehow, I was able to balance the uh, the the beer fund and the comic book fund, and uh, I had a little too much fun. Yeah, we. I, I've been there myself. Matt, what about you?
1: So for me, um, I think I, I, I couldn't tell you like what my first comic book was. I, my parents would just like I always wanted to read, so they would just like buy something off the the spinner rack somewhere and just hand me books to shut me up. Um, but I will tell you, uh, I think the first book that really opened my eyes to wanting to write comics uh, was Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, I think Brian Bendis in his you know in his heyday was like a master at, at, at writing believable dialogue. Like he, he made those kids sounded like they just like, like he just sat in a high school somewhere and was just taking down, you know, what they were talking about. Like they, it sounded legit. It sounded like kids my age. Um, I thought, you know, I was like, wow, like I want to do this. Like I want to make characters sound like the way me and my friends talk. Like I think dialogue is really cool and it, it, it could be really fun and interesting. And that, that really like blew my, my, brain in half because i was like oh like that's when i started to look into comics like Oh, you know, I could write scripts and then pass them to an artist and and do that whole process. That's how I make comics. Like it just started to click for me, um, and that's really like once I read Ultimate Spider-Man, like it was kind of off the races. Like I wanted to to produce comics, and you know, I eventually, obviously, did. Of course, I eventually got to work with Bill Jemis, who was the one who hired uh, Brian Bendis. So that was pretty cool. Um, he did tell me a funny story really quick that he said um, the, the first script that brian handed in was the first one that they accepted like they just like he handed as soon as he handed in they took it and they ran they gave it to bagley to draw but the way brian uh, bendis tells it is that um that probably was not his first draft that was just the first one that he handed in Uh um, which is pretty interesting
2: i liked him a lot at marvel i never i never read uh you know i could i could kick myself in the butt cuz i could have like you know there were certain books that i passed up on like new series that ended up becoming so hot that i could have you know sold it and and bought a bought a house on a lake somewhere but uh
1: it's impossible like have, no one know like you, there's no way to know that a book is going to blow up like the way walking dead did or you know what i mean like you really mm-hmm. have to just Go to the, the the shop every every week and pick up everything, and then you hope that one day this random uh, indie book called The Bardic Verses blows up, and uh, you know you become a millionaire for for supporting a Kickstarter. Yeah, or or any you know any of them. I mean,
2: I was the guy. I mean, I discovered my my comic book store when I was fifteen. You know, bunking school like most of us, uh, and and i walked by it and then like 30 seconds after i walked by i had gotten up to the far corner and then it clicked in my head hey stupid that was a comic book store and i had never seen one before well i saw one before and ended up that uh somebody i became uh good friends with actually owned it and it didn't last long because it was in the town that i grew up in and everybody was about sports not so much about the comics you know, it was very the comic community in that town was extremely small. And uh, but my mother never, never let me go in there because she knew it was going to cost her too much money. And we just go, you know, the the pharmacy before CBS and uh, all these other sort of big pharmacies bought out like all the mom and pop ones uh, at the top of my street when I was a kid, I uh, had a had a spinner rack and my mother would give me, you know, whatever she got for change. Uh, from the paper and, you know, any prescriptions we had at the pharmacy she'd give me the change at the front counter. And while she was doing everything, I would be at the spinner rack scoping out what I was going to choose from. And uh, then she'd give me the change. Sometimes I had enough to get two, sometimes it was just, you know, one. But I got I got to get a book every, you know, every a new comic every Sunday as long as I wasn't being around little bastard. So there was some weeks that I was very depressed because I had no comics for like almost a month. You know, but. I, you, know you, you
0: said something that resonated with me there. So like I I also grew up I live in Connecticut, but I grew up in a, in a very small, very, very small town. and similar things. Right. Like if you if you weren't like the all star pitcher or if you weren't like playing on like the, you know, like the, the, the basketball team or whatever, who were you? Right, yeah. It was like it was a it was a weird little town, and um, when I got into comic books, like everybody like knew, like oh, it's the comic book. Right? So like, anytime somebody needed a drawing, a little doodle for a project, they come to me because they knew I was, was I could draw. But also, too, it was it was interesting where you know, like, anytime there was like, I'll say like mainstream comic book news, right? Like oh, Superman's head, you know, whatever. You know, people would come to me, like peers, teachers, whatever, would be like, "Did you hear about Superman?" <laughs> yeah, I heard about Superman. Yeah, yeah. I'm very well aware of what just happened to Superman. And like, you'd have these conversations over and over again. And now you fast forward, you know, thirty years <laughs> or so. I like, got them all. You fast forward ahead uh, a few decades, and now it is absolutely so mainstream, right? Where I go into work. I don't work my day job. It has absolutely nothing to do with comic books or art or anything. And I can't go more than more than two hours without hearing somebody in my immediate area talking about a Marvel film, a Marvel show, Star Wars, you know, all of this stuff that I wish I had a time machine to go back to younger me and be like, dude, 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 it's going to be good. You know, you're, you're <laughs> we prevail, you know? Um, it's, it's really interesting, you know, just that whole change I think we've seen as a, as a nerdy society in the last 30 years.
2: Uh, Lorenzo says, I am just now learning about the big two. An adult read me an incredible Hulk comic as a kid, but then my mom gave me an old Archie comic and I just couldn't relate to it. I think it was for
0: yeah. teens. Yeah, Archie's one I never got anyway. Like it, it, it seemed too soapy, like too soap opery at times, and like the the humor was like very G rated. I, 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 Well, that that I totally was the agree whole. Agree there. That was
2: that was the whole point of like the
0: yeah the I It
2: was you know it was all family. It was all family friendly and. You know, anybody could, yeah. anybody could read it. And, and, and I mean, I could relate because, you know, uh, opposed to this now, uh, I used to have uh, flaming red hair and now my daughter has flaming red hair. And uh, she always asked me, it's like, uh, what happened to your red hair? I'm like, Uh your mother. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, that was, that was pretty much the end of that conversation, she's like, uh, does that mean when I have kids, my hair is all going to fall out too? I go, well, it's a possibility, but at least you can wear a wig. So, tell me, Pete, what artists in the field uh, inspired inspire you the most, even to this day? Oh, um
0: uh Ron Garney I think uh, I I've come to appreciate as one of my one of my favorite artists um you know I like Jim Lee I like Todd McFarlane I like um a, a, a slew of people but for me it's almost like I think <clears throat> I think Ron Garney is is a little underrated for what he for what he accomplishes and for how many properties he's touched you know I mean he's drawn every big book. At some point in his career. He's he's drawn every character you can think of. Um his run on Wolverine, awesome. Awesome. Wasn't a particular fan of the story, but his art just nailed it. So um I'm I'm always looking at his stuff. Um uh, uh, Umberto Ramos um is not exactly how I draw, but i I find inspiration in it because it's like, you know, he can he can take a character and make them look somehow cartoonish in a funny way, but also grim and dark at the same time. Like, he, he has this amazing balance to his part. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting him one year at Comic-Con with my son, who's a, an enormous Spider-Man fan. Enormous. Uh, and it was around when uh, they relaunched. Amazing Spider-Man, like seven thirty or, or whatever time, and he drew the cover for that. We got to meet him. He was super gracious, super super awesome. You know, um, yeah. Um, I recently recently, although I'm not a particular fan of the of the title, I do enjoy uh, clay man uh, His art is top notch. Um, he's kind of got like a Second Coming of Jim Lee kind of art style. Um, mm-hmm. Which I really like. He's got a great attention to detail. Um, so I like to look at the pictures. Sometimes the story doesn't do it for me, though.
2: Yeah, uh, I think the only story that's really done it for me, you know, mainstream-wise in like the last few years, has been uh, the Immortal Hulk. Yeah. And, oh yeah, and that that's coming to an end, and they're they're handing. Uh, hulk over to uh Donnie Cates.
0: Yeah, yeah, I read I read that I read, read something about that the other day. So yeah. we and that, that's that's been a great run. Uh I mean, the writing's great, the, the art's fantastic.
2: Super weird at times, which mm-hmm. you know, is good you're in the mood for it. Uh, yeah, so, so after issue fifty when they when they relaunch the book again, they're like, we're not relaunching it. Is it the number one? Yeah. You're relaunching it because yeah. now now you have egotistic uh, creators that think they all deserve their own series run on it, even you know even if it's only like you know for two years, which just you know aggravates me a little bit, uh, and I I I hate Donnie Cates with a passion. So uh, not not the man himself, just the fact that I found this. Formula that works, and I get to do all these crazy things, and uh, all the uh, all the all the Marvel sheep uh, that buy every single Marvel book, uh, you know, just sing his praises all the time. And I'm like, Cosmic Ghost Rider, really. So Frank Castle is Cosmic Ghost Rider. That's stupid. Uh, Thor kills Galactus with one swing of his hammer. And I'm like, so my phone, if I type in the letter I automatically at the bottom, like the suggested text just comes up hashtag I hates the gates. And I say it to him on his own Twitter he goes, I don't think that means what you think it means. I go. No, it pretty does it pretty much does. You know, it it's not to say that I haven't I, I've read stuff from him, uh like independent stuff before he got like super, super big. Uh that I loved and I thought I thought was great, but I don't like what he's he's doing currently at Marvel. And I know he he's one of the many that ran to to Substack so they can cash in on their aim. I think Substack is like the new image. Them so. Yeah. I'm not too uh, familiar with Upstack.
1: It's like a newsletter program um, where they're it's like, like a it's like a Patreon kind of yeah yeah
2: okay
1: so they're like they're like selling they're doing digital first books like through it like a a Patreon type thing where you pay monthly. And you'll get access for a, to a digital book, but eventually the, the book will be published, probably through Image or something like that. So it's I don't know, it's very strange. But they apparently threw a bunch of money at you know these big creators to, to oh, yeah. run these campaigns on uh, it. So uh, good James for them. Stock, Listen, James like, Tiny and the fourth on- jumped off a of batman and ran to Substack,
2: and like all these other guys did. Uh, Lorenzo says uh, what I didn't like about the Immortal Hulk was Hulk would give a long speech before beating up the villain the artwork was fantastic but yeah i, I don't the hope with speeches is like you're supposed to be a zombie you're like a mortal because you can't die but the early issues of the series uh are are still like through the roof like a, uh number one's not the most expensive one i think either two or three uh shot through the roof or whatever they they did like a, a short run all these publishers doing oh we sold out i think they're in they're initially printing like shorter runs just so they can send out press releases that it sold out and we're going back to press so they can yeah. you know bring the attention back on themselves yeah uh, that makes sense i mean it's all it's
0: all part of the marketing machine
2: right yeah um, but I mean even even like an issue issue one of, of a mortal Hulk like cover a is like you know a $50 dollars has been like a $50 book for you know almost since like a couple weeks after it came out
0: really <laughs> cha-ching
2: yeah uh, I sold one of mine uh, to a to a friend of mine but I had a it was a connecting cover set with uh Thor Immortal Hulk and Iron Man. Interesting. He gave me what I paid for it. I'm like, I go, just give me twenty bucks for all three. I'm like, okay. Go on, less stuff. I'm I'm selling most of my collection and just keeping like certain things. Uh, But I was I was the guy that would go into my LCS and bitch and moan about the higher cover prices for the variants and stuff the the 599 the every time marvel and dc release a new number one it goes to like 10 12 15 dollars and it's like well here's you know 16 pages of this new story in the number one and then we're gonna fill the rest of it with reprint stuff because that way it looks fat and then they buy it and by the time they buy it it's too late to say anything so i complained about that and then i you know went to kickstarter and indiegogo and started paying you know 25 bucks a piece for a, for a crowdfunding comic and i'm like i know i i don't really make sense but you know i, like, uh, I makes, like i like opening up the swag bags too
0: yeah and it makes it makes sense to me right because it's like i think there's you know i don't want to harp too much on the marketing machine and the big two but it's like you have you know there is something to that right under printing so that you can say you sold out persistently falling back to new number ones when you have like a new direction a new new creative group right and it's like mm-hmm. that's that's all marketing things, right and and it's like you know w- when you when you find a, a project on Kickstarter you don't have to worry about it, right I mean at the most at the most if you're following you're gonna see a bunch of a bunch of tweets or a bunch of you know posts on social media saying please, please back please back Back, right like that's that, that's that's the most you're going to get right it's and, and you're and you're going to get you're going to get in theory something unique right you're not going to you're not going to see a lot of the same rehashed you know stuff that you know Marvel and DC have been doing for a generation which um, you know I think I think it's um, over the course of our project it was a it it was nice to it was nice to have like some flexibility in saying i'm gonna draw this you know and matt and i have a have a great rapport where you know we're constantly in communication with each other and you know he sends me his script he leaves parts of it very loose for me to do what i want to do um and i send him snapshots throughout the process like it's 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 very cool and i think you know somewhere like Marvel or DC you wouldn't get that creative you wouldn't get that creative freedom at all no
2: no you wouldn't not get that
0: so, so what what so while you're paying maybe $20 for a book you're probably getting something that's more more of a real true creative expression so in theory in theory you're getting a book that's a better quality than what you pick up from Marvel or DC
2: yeah uh because they're doing they're doing you know larger page counts you know for for $25 you're usually getting something that's pretty close to the size of a a graphic you know a full graphic novel yep. like uh you know 32 to 60 pages you know usually you know around 42 but i'm like that's like that's like three issues of, of, of a Marvel or DC book because, you know, they're like, you know, well, it's like 24 pages. Yeah. And then we take out the ads and it's 16 pages. I'm like, yeah, I'm not happy with, you know, paying five bucks for 16 pages.
0: Look at that beautiful page.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and Look at that cartoony picture of Matt.
1: Yeah. yep that, that's me by uh at sad sad wastelander on twitter drew that picture of me oh cool um but yeah that's our page we have 86 followers right now um if you want to follow it it's at tbv so uh the initials for the bardic verses. uh dot kickstarter.com will take you right to that page and you can sign up uh and be notified when we launch on this the 8th of september I was number eighty-six because I signed up. So I <laughs> Thank you. It, so nice.
0: Thank you very much.
1: I got to. we trying track. to hit a hundred. I got to keep track of people coming on the show. You know. <laughs> we appreciate oh. it. Um, and you mentioned before you were talking about um paying twenty-five dollars for you said like a forty-page book. Um, yeah. The good news is that before shipping, our book is uh, eighty pages total for twenty dollars before shipping. So. Oh, it's uh, a fatty. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I like my comic books like I like my women. Sick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Sorry, we, uh, that's no the, worries.
2: That, that's the strip club DJ and me coming out. <laughs> I worked I I worked as a nightclub DJ for like thirty plus years, so nice. Nice.
1: Um but yeah, I mean again to, to bring back one of Pete's points, we were we were trying to keep this uh you know Giving people a value, and then also like um, not having an overinflated gold, not having too many uh, tchotchkes and extras. Like we really kept it as bare bones as possible. That's not to say that there's not um, fun reward tiers. There's some uh, cool art tiers that that um, that Pete has drawn in, uh, that Pete has put in there. Um, but for the most part, it's literally just the book. Um, if you if you want just the book in print, you get the book a uh, sticker and a um, bookmark
2: and, and a book, a book plate, plate
1: signed. Thank you. And a book plate signed by uh, me, Pete and uh, Matt Krotzer, who's our letterer um, for $20 plus shipping. So it, it's really a pretty great deal if I say so myself.
2: Well, this is a, this is a perfect book for anybody that uh, has ever loved, you know, a D&D slash Pathfinder slash like any RPG universe, you know, has, you know, is old enough like me that, you know, we watched the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon when it was on TV uh, and then, you know, you know, got excited is all F-bomb inserted here. Uh, when they saw that car commercial from another country, and they you they they cast the entire cartoon live hey. action into like a little battle thing i was just i saw that and i was like oh my god and then i found out it was a car commercial and i was so pissed <laughs> I'm, I'm like oh if only they made that oh it was it was killing me but you know fantasy adventure any you know anything like that uh fits in perfect with this and and hell 80 pages so how many how many songs or uh short stories are in the book total
1: there's five total five six i six six total i always forget because i feel like we were workshopping one that didn't end up it's in the a good movie. thing the writer
2: knows how many <laughs> stories are in the book Abby. listen we
1: <laughs> this is over the course of COVID, so yeah. um i've probably you know forgotten a ton of stuff um but no there's about six stories total in the book um again there it's bookended by um you know things that that take place inside the tavern and then he you know at the when he wraps up at the end he goes somewhere else um, but really quick, just to go back to what you said, um, it, it is good for people that are fans of um, of D and D and of swords and sorcery books. But it's also good for, as you can see right here, um, it's it's good for comic book fans. Like that was one of the other things we tried to do is really pay tribute to comics. So um, the top left, that black and white um, picture of our main character Mortal is uh, is kind of our tribute to like Frank Miller and like noir comics um on the right there i don't i it couldn't be more obvious that we're kind of um paying homage to rob liefeld and like that those the early 90s uh style comics the bottom oh, left so there's cover. no feet <laughs> <laughs> uh we, <laughs> we do there is a couple of jokes Correct. about feet in there um a couple and of pouches, of pouches. Yeah, and pouches. <laughs> okay on pouches. yep okay Big you chast- guys got me now um the bottom left obviously could not be more obvious that it, that's Jack Kirby we're paying tribute to Jack Kirby there um and then the bottom right is uh our tribute to Disney um and in that one there's a full on musical number so it's a it's just all over the road again it's it's us like it's a love letter for us to to pay tribute to comics and and these fantasy um you know like RPGs and and swords and sorcery books like it's all that stuff wrapped up into one crazy weird book but we love it we had a lot of fun and I hope that like I really hope that translates and people have as much fun reading it that we had creating it very cool
2: now I have to ask something that I just forgot so that's awesome Um. (laughs) oh that's what it was. Uh, since there's some some art stuff going on, on the, uh, you know, on the Kickstarter, will there be uh, original art pages?
0: So the 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 entire process for this book was done digitally. Um, and in doing that, um, it afforded me the ease and the luxury of doing doing my art whenever and wherever I could. I, if my son's at band practice for three hours, I would sit in the parking lot and draw. Mix um, it work. I'm drawing. You know, so so it gave me that luxury. Uh, unfortunately, what that also did was that meant that uh, I don't have traditional original art that I could incorporate here. So what we, what we did was we wrapped our heads around, you know, like, okay, we want to offer an art tier. So what does that, what do those art tiers look like? Uh, and we we um, we finalize on three different tiers that incorporate some type of original art so uh, one of those tiers will include a five by seven uh, inked um, original drawing of the main character of the book or uh, Gary who is a uh, little yellow goblin is um, her favorite character in the book so that is one tier. Um, another tier uh, is kind of tailored towards um, the tabletop role player uh, audience. And that is that um, I will do a digital commission of uh, your, your your character of choice. Doesn't matter if it's um, Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, Shadowrun, that Vampire the Masquerade, whatever you're playing, If you support that tier, I will draw your character in full for you um, in high definition. And then we have an offshoot of that particular uh, tier where I will do that same commission, uh, but we will send you an 11 by 17 canvas. Ooh,
2: that's interesting. So you guys guys will will print out that digital commission and and send it out.
0: Yep, we will make sure we've,
2: I've, I've actually done that in the past um, for other people. So um,
0: I have a great printer um, that I work with for those situations uh, that really enhances the digital appearance um, of the art. So it's, um, we're, we're feeling pretty good about that one.
2: Cool, but you're, you're, keeping, you're keeping the campaign uh, Fairly basic you know the the book the the normal sh- the normal swag bag with you know this uh, you know a sticker and uh you know the bookmark you know because it is 80 pages you might not finish the whole thing yep. in, in <laughs> yeah one, no, that's, in that's one true. sitting no, Espe- keep- especially if you have children you will not finish this in one sitting no you, no, you will not i'll take you two or three but we've got we
0: wanted to we wanted to keep the offering simple but the experience enhanced so, you know, the, the physical copy of the book, um, and we do have like a, we have the digital version as well, but the physical version, um, the book in its 80 page glory, um, the book is being printed on, um, good cardstock, Well, a card stock cover, 80 pound pages, um, which, you know, that's going to make, it, make it feel very hardy. It's going to come with a, with a bookmark, um, stickers, a book plate we're packaging it all up together with a uh, with a craft uh, chipboard backer uh, every every single one of these will be individually shrink wrapped before they're put into uh, put into their package to be mailed out for added protection and also to keep everything together um, you know, we're not just gonna stick a box stick a book in a box slap a label on it and send it out uh, you know, we want to make sure that when people get this in their hands that they say, wow, somebody put attention to making sure that this guy here is safe. Uh, and it's a little package in and of itself.
2: Now, are you is it is the book normal comic book size for uh, US or is it gonna be oversized?
1: Uh, uh size-wise? trade size, right? Like normal trade size?
2: Yep, that's right. Standard US trade size. So you guys uh, shipping in Gemini mailers?
1: Yes.
0: I think so. Right?
1: No, I think we're just going we have boxes that we're using. They're not going to be Gem, Gemini mailers, but to Pete's point there, it's going to be um, like we're shrink-wrapping it. Um, we have boxes that are the size of, of regular trades. They'll fit slu- snugly into um, – we wanted to do Gemini mailers, but um, – Again, like we wanted to shrink wrap the books to make sure that um, the stuff that we're putting inside the book doesn't, you know, uh, go astray. And um, it just made it easier for us uh, logistic wise to send it out. Like we, you know, the our process, it just fits our process to not use Gemini mailers because mm-hmm. um, we have all the stuff that we need and it's not it wasn't bought through Gemini.
2: Okay, I, I asked because you know all the books that I I usually get you know unless it's like a a big package from uh, from a campaign uh, I usually get uh, in Gemini's and uh, I happen to uh, know some of the guys over at uh, Indie Volt Radio uh, they also do a podcast it'd be good to uh, to look them up they do like a a few shows a week to uh, get on uh, they have a radio audience. Of uh, usually over a hundred thousand people at any given time listening and uh, they have a they have a discount for Gemini because they also are part of uh, Liberty distribution which is a uh, uh, distribution service uh, for indie comics oh, that's, and, that's pretty cool. and they're in they're in hundreds of stores uh, throughout the US and uh, and doing pretty good um but they have a they have a discount code for gemini uh which is bolt 10 b-o-l-t 10.
1: cool
2: uh it it gives a 10 percent discount so if at any time you guys want to use that as long as i as as far as i know that's going to be in uh probably for a long a long time because they're uh one of their uh supporters so that's awesome we we we're
0: We'll keep that in mind. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: I, 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 I have the luxury of working in a distribution center for my for my real job. So it's uh, it's gonna be uh, you know, we have um, I have an abundance of craft paper at microscope. disposal.
2: So oh, so yeah, you, you, uh, so yeah, so you don't have to go out yeah. and buy buy paper to, to do the art. Well, <laughs> by, yeah, true. So it's like, you know, um,
0: tape and paper is one thing. Boxes paper, right? um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but We're going to be doing the bulk of our packing probably there.
2: Very cool. Um, have you guys heard of the comic-related madness on Facebook? No. I will uh, I will send you links. Uh, Matt, I'll, I'll email you... Uh, links to a uh to a to a few different people to reach out to uh that all have podcasts there's a a whole bunch of us all together and uh comic-related madness is basically all indie comics uh other creators uh that support other creators and loaded with podcasters to uh get get more get more eyes on this and you know awesome. in the launch and everything i'm already interested in you know as soon as you said yeah 80 pages 20 bucks i'm like well that's a no-brainer
1: <laughs> again know. that's what we were shooting for so <laughs> that's good you know so
2: that's great why don't you let uh let everybody know uh where they can find you online so they can uh they can follow you to uh, get any updates that you post
1: um, so you can find me anywhere on the socials. Uh, my handle is at Matt Man Begins. That's Matt with two T's. Um, and then you can find the, the Kickstarter page that we're looking at right now is TBV Kickstarter. So the initials for the Bardic versus Kickstarter com. Awesome.
0: And on all social media, uh, I can be found at this right here. Uh <laughs> So, reverse uh, angles are a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird it's so weird it, yeah uh, it, uh, pac illustration pack EAC
2: illustration very cool well guys I want to thank you for coming out and uh talking comics and the bardic verses and and uh, and a couple of other things here and there uh right now we're gonna uh we're gonna end this episode uh with the trailer for uh, Mavericks volume one which is uh, one of our sponsors this month.
1: Cool. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.
2: And we will catch everybody uh, later on. Hope you all have a good weekend and uh, we'll see you Monday with more Creators Outlet.
0: War is a topic of vital importance. A subject of inquiry that
2: cannot be ignored.
0: It is a matter of life and death. It can be a road to safety or to ruin.
2: In an alternate version of our world, brought to the brink of total collapse, rival nations fight for global domination and elite pilots in futuristic combat suits wage war on the battlefield of tomorrow. Now, six brave soldiers on a seemingly routine rescue mission will encounter more than they bargained for and uncover a dangerous secret that could change their world if they live long enough to see it.